And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl, my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, we'll hear part two of Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden from 1949. Then we'll open the creaking door to the inner sanctum from 1945. By my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. What's happening in Hollywood? This is something I think you'll appreciate, and I think our listeners will appreciate this. Amazon has landed a Lucille Ball biopic. Mm. And who is it starring? Wow, I don't know. Right? Gosh. Now, who would be a perfect actress Gosh. to play Lucille Ball? I wouldn't have thought of it, but she is perfect. Um, I'm going to say Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> really? Yeah, she'd be great. Are you kidding? Wow. She I, can do anything. I mean. All right. Well, all right, so who? good, but not the right answer. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Interesting yeah. choice, right? Wow. I don't think of her as a comedian. I, I don't either. Well, remember That's why when I she played um, Catherine Hepburn? Yes, she in did. In The Aviator? Oh, my God. She was amazing. She's good yeah, at she's everything. Yeah, she's a terrific actress. I assume she's wow. the perfect. Right? Yeah. That's what I thought. That's why I had to bring this up. This is authorized. It's penned by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, mm. The film will center on the I Love Lucy star's 20-year marriage to Desi Arnaz. Oh, wow. The title is Lucy and Desi. Uh-huh. Don't you like it already? Am I playing Desi, hopefully? I don't I'd know. Be great. You know, I'd be great, Lisa. Lisa. It's produced by the I Hollywood. can do it, Lisa. You know who's producing this? Yeah, you said Eric Soren. No, producing. I said oh. it's penned by. Oh, who's who's producing it? Their children, Lucy Arnaz and Desi Arnaz Jr. You know how that her daughter, they spell her name L-U-C-I-E, but yeah. it's the same name spelled I differently. I want to play Desi. Well, okay. All right. I Make will, it happen. I'll try. All right. Thanks, okay. Lisa. That'd be great. When's I, it coming out? I don't know that. Oh, man. That's great. That's really cool news. I uh, Thank you. I can't wait to watch that. Me too. Or be in it. Oh, right. Yeah, I'll definitely it. watch it. All right. So uh, <laughs> last time we began listening to Our Miss Brooks, let's go back to September 18, 1949, for the faculty cheerleader here, Zeev Arden, in the conclusion to Our Miss Brooks. Miss Brooks, I hear you may be our new faculty cheerleader, and I'd like to tell you I think it's a remarkable achievement. What's so remarkable about it? Well, the fact that you dare to indulge in such strenuous pursuits at your age. (laughs) I mean, is cheerleading really quite safe for you, darling? Don't worry about me, Miss Enright. If Rudy Valley can still lift a megaphone, I can. (laughs) 
But I must say that sweater you gave Mr. Boynton was a very nice method of vacuuming an invitation to the game out of him. Oh, you make it sound like a plot, darling. Don't you know that I never indulge in intrigue? Subterfuge is for those who need it. No, my dear. My hands are clean. They should be, considering all the time you must spend licking your paws. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Brooks, are you hinting that I... Oh, I'm not hinting anything, Miss Enride. I just understand why you didn't knit that sweater yourself. You would have wasted too much time playing with a ball of yarn. (laughs) (laughs) Droll thing, you. Sometimes I think you're out of this world... But I know it's just wishful thinking. (laughs) Likewise, I'm sure. But you'll have to excuse me now. I've got to stop in at Mr. Conklin's office before class. Well, I'll have to dash, too, I'm afraid. Oh, I'm sorry I kept you waiting, ladies. Oh, are you leaving? Yes, I'd better get an early start. It's a sleeper jump to my room from here. Well, I'm glad you dropped in, and thanks a million for that dandy sweater, Miss Enright. Oh, you're very welcome, Mr. Boynton. Goodbye. Bye. Don't be strange. It's out of her hands. So you see, Mr. Conklin, Harriet Walter and Stretch would like to be transferred to the same English class. But why, Miss Brooks? Because they've all been together for several terms now, and the kids miss each other. You see, they're friends, and friendship is a very important thing to young people. Why? Because it is. They derive a certain... Look, Mr. Conklin, have you ever had a friend? A good question, Miss Brooks. (laughs) And much as it may surprise you, the answer is in the affirmative. When I was a rather small boy, I was quite friendly with my mother. (laughs) Now then, I'd like to change the subject. But Mr. Conklin, it's a very... I see no reason whatsoever for transferring my daughter Harriet into the same class with a dunce like Walter Denton. But what about Stretch Snodgrass? Uh, That's different. Now you're talking about the mind of the century. <laughs> I mean, supposing you put Walter and Stretch together. What, and create a half-wit? <laughs> now, before you return to your class, Miss Brooks, there's another matter I'd like to broach to you. Uh, did you read the paper this morning? No, sir, I didn't. I see. Then do you mind receiving some of the news in capsule form? Why should I mind? That's how I get my salary. I mean... <laughs> What news, Mr. Conklin? Well, it seems that Jason Brill got himself elected faculty cheerleader at the Clay City High. But I thought that was... Yes, yes, Miss Brooks, it was my idea, but he latched onto it. Uh, Pilfered it from me last week. (laughs) Now, you know how I feel about Jason Brill, don't you? I think so, Mr. Conklin. To you, he's a sort of an old Walter Denton. Worse, if possible. However, he's not going to get away with this, Miss Brooks. We're going to hold an election here at Madison this afternoon, and I'm going to win it. I guess I'll rate as much newspaper space as that old Billy Goat any day. Pardon me, Mr. Conklin, but who's going to vote in this election? Why, the undergraduate body, of course. I see. Well, then the outcome may not be as easy to foretell as you think. You see, Mr. Conklin, whereas on the one hand, the students love, admire, and respect you... Yeah? And what did I do with that other hand? I am well aware of the mercurial nature of the student body's likes and dislikes, Miss Brooks. However, if I were nominated by someone in whom they have always had faith, someone who could swing all her votes my way, I'd be assured of victory. Someone like who? It's whom, Miss Brooks. You don't have to tell me whom, it's meme. (laughs) 
But, Mr. Conklin, if I'm nominated in good faith, would it be ethical to nominate you? This is politics, Miss Brooks. There's always room for compromise. If you agree to nominate me, for example, I might see things your way on one of your pet projects. Specifically, those transfers you were concerned about a minute ago. You mean you'd transfer the kids back to my class? Now we're interested, aren't we? <laughs> of course, if I did add those pupils to your class, I'd have to move you to a larger room, say back to 148, next to the biology lab. <laughs> What are you thinking, Miss Brooks? Just that when you became a principal, Madison's gain was Tammany's loss. Then <laughs> you'll do it. Fine. Now, I think it best that you keep the entire matter a secret until you actually place my name in nomination at the assembly this afternoon. That way, coming just before the voting, the impact will be the greatest. I'll have the nominating speech all ready for you by lunchtime. Let's see now. Have I overlooked anything? Just the getaway car with the motor running. <laughs> Quiet, 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 please. Quiet, quiet. And now we shall have a few words from your latest nominee, a woman whose opinions we all value so highly, our Miss Brooks. Now remember, my dear, read the speech I gave you in a nice, clear voice and make the finish as impressive as possible. I will, Mr. Conklin. I may hang myself. <laughs> Students of Madison High... It is indeed a rare occurrence when one candidate nominates another. It is only when a man has such stature that he towers above all competition that one is forced to do so. Moved to do so. Moved to do so. <laughs> Here at Madison, we have such a candidate, a man whose unquestioned spirit is only equaled by his qualities of leadership. He has enthusiasm. Get up and go. And I wish I could. <laughs> That is, this candidate has long guided the destiny of this glorious institution of which I am proud to be an inmate. Instructor. Uh, instructor. Therefore, may I place in nomination and urge you all to vote for the man whose kindness, consideration, and unselfishness is known to us all. Osgood Conklin? I mean, uh, Osgood Conklin. <laughs> Osgood Conklin? Osgood Conklin. Thank you, Harriet. <laughs> now we shall proceed to that which is the inherent right and treasured privilege of every American, the vote. In order to speed things along, I have decided that we can dispense with the antiquated written ballot. Instead, each student will simply file up to the platform and tell me who he's voting for. <laughs> row, please. I object! Down, Denton. Oh, I'm afraid I second the objection, sir. The sanctity of the secret ballot is something Please, that Mr. Boynton. Mr. Conklin has a motive in wanting to expedite matters. He's merely trying to railroad himself through. Uh, get the voting. <laughs> get the voting accomplished quickly. Seems to be something wrong, Miss Brooks. Remember, I won't keep my promise unless you keep yours. Well, I'm trying to, Mr. Conklin. Students, uh, students, listen to me, please. I move that we elect Mr. O Mr. Conklin faculty cheerleader by acclamation. Now, what do you say, kids? Is it Osgood Conklin by acclamation? Ah! 
<laughs> Motion carried. Congratulations, Mr. Conklin. Thank you, Miss Brooks. Students, you may rest assured that this overwhelming vote of confidence is not misplaced. It may interest you to know that your new faculty cheerleader once threw a brass baton 50 feet into the air and caught it with one hand. Unfortunately, we have no such baton on the premises, or I'd be Here's glad... Here's one right over here by the bandstand, Mr. <laughs> Quiet, Denton. Hand that up here, Walter. Here you are, Mr. Conklin. A real drum major's baton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go ahead, Daddy. Throw it up in the air the way you used to. Looks like you're on, Mr. Conklin. Oh, yeah. Let's see here. We twirl her around like this. Oh, I remember now. Then up she goes. Oh, that's a pretty good toss, if I say so myself. But I've lost sight of it. When did the confounded thing disappear? <laughs> Daddy, speak to me. All together now, gang. A skyrocket, two locomotives, and a band-aid for Mr. Conklin. <laughs> I left the auditorium after a spirited rally during which we all sang songs and cheered while Mr. Conklin rubbed his head. At the end of the school day, I ran into Mr. Boynton as he was coming out of our principal's office. And from what he told me, I knew Mr. Conklin had kept his end of the bargain. Yes, indeed. There certainly has been a lot of switching around, Miss Brooks. Miss Enright's been moved into room 101. That's probably so I could have my old room back. You know, 148 next to your biology lab. My old biology lab. Old biology lab? You mean you've got a new one? Yep. In the switching around, I've been moved to 102 next to Miss Enright. Oh, no. <laughs> well, let's not waste any more time in school, Miss Brooks. After all, today's Friday. We have a date to go to the zoo. Let's skip it, Mr. Boynton. With my luck, they're sure to put us in separate cages. <laughs> next week, tune into another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Luster Screen Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. Smart Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's our Miss Brooks from September 18, 1949, with the faculty cheerleader starring Eve Arden, also in the cast, Gail Gordon, Jane Morgan, Richard Crenna, and Jeff Chandler, sponsored by Colgate, Palmolive, and Luster Cream Shampoo, as heard on CBS. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's Inner Sanctum. Don't go away. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. I want to remind everyone listening that I have my book out. It's available at uh, stores everywhere. Every bookstore carries it. It's called the Top 100 Classic Radio Shows, and I'm really excited about it. I co-wrote it with Martin Grahams. And it's a big 224-page coffee table book. It's only $29.99. And every one of the 100 classic radio shows that we chronicle as a two-page spread. There's hundreds of period pictures in there. There's all kinds of trivia questions, fun facts, cast lists, 
and also 78 classic radio shows, six on CD, 78 that you can download off a special website. It's a, a book that I think everyone listening to the show would enjoy having uh, either for yourself or as a gift to someone. Now, if you order it from our website at hollywood360radio.com, I will autograph it and personalize it to you or to whomever you want to give the book to. Uh, absolutely free. That's part of it. It's available for $29.99. Just go to hollywood360radio.com and there'll be a pop-up that pops up and you can learn more about the book. Click it and you'll see all kinds of pictures of the book all opened up and all kinds of fun stuff. I hope you'll want to order it for yourself or for a friend because you know what, Lisa? Christmas is right around the corner. So is Hanukkah. You know, anybody listening to the show would appreciate that book. Um, it's easy to read. It's fun to read. Um, it's not, it doesn't read like a novel. It reads, you Yeah, know, it's a fun coffee it, table book. It really is. Just with, just with the photos and the information and the facts, you can flip through a few pages as you go. It's not like you have to read it cover to cover. It's a great book. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm very welcome. excited about it. You should be. I'm yeah. excited for you. I've given a few of them away to yes, I know. close friends. Yes. And they were just like, wow. This is, it is it's a, really it's five impressive. Pound. The book is five pounds. It's but a big book. Besides being a big book, I like the way it's separated into genres. You start out with comedies and go to mysteries. and um, It's a good reference book. It's fun to read. And anybody listening to the show obviously appreciates classic radio. Yeah, well... It's at Hollywood360radio.com. Check it out. Okay, it is time for Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Let's go back to June 12th, 1945 for Portrait of Death, starring Leslie Woods. Part one now, Inner Sanctum. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. host of the Inner Sanctum inviting you in through the squeaking door. Come on in. Have your picture taken with the uh, corpse. You'll look good next to him. Poor fellow was a photographer. Passed on last winter while taking a picture. Yes, died of overexposure. <laughs> Awful, isn't it? Enough to make your camera shutter. <laughs> Well, let's gather around the coffin now for a nice, happy picture. Watch the body. Watch the body. Oh, dear. We'll have to take that again. Someone moves. And I think it was the corpse. Why, that's downright silly. Oh, hello, Mary. You're just in time. Come on, get in the picture. What? Do you think I'd stand next to a corpse? Oh, please, Mary. You can wear your Lipton Sterling Silver Medallion. Then I'll send the picture to my friends in the graveyard. Why, Mary, with your figure, your symmetry, they'll probably elect you Miss Cemetery of 1945. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. But I can do without that honor. And as far as the sterling silver medallion is concerned, it's mighty popular right now. I've been getting hundreds of letters from ladies all over the country telling me how much they appreciate it. You see, the medallion is made of real sterling silver. It's about an inch in diameter, and it's decorated with the Chinese symbol for good luck. You paint a pretty picture, Mary. Now let me paint one for you. Mine is called Portrait of Death. It's an original radio play by that 
ghastly ghostwriter, Robert Sloan. And our star tonight is Miss Leslie Woods, who plays the role of Miss Snyder. And listen, if you've never sat for a portrait, you'd better not sit alone for Portrait of Death. In the dim light of a misty old art dealer's gallery, a somber portrait has just been sold at auction to a man by the name of Mason. Magnificent painting, isn't it? There's never been anything like it, Mr. Mason. But if you don't mind my saying so, I think you've paid a stiff price for it. I couldn't let that woman in the black dress outbid me. Look at those colors. Expression on the girl's face. Yes. The detail in the background. Really is a work of art. Technically speaking, yes. But the portrait has a strange history, Mr. Mason. Strange and sinister. What do you mean? Well, people say it's brought bad luck to every one of its owners. Oh, come now, Flora. Well, it may be just a story, but at least this much of it is true. The day this portrait was finished, the artist died by his own hand. And the model who posed for him died, too, by her own hand. So that's why I painted her in black. Yes. He knew she was going to die. He even painted two graves into the background of the picture, you see? One grave's for him, one for her. Now you know why the painting is called Portrait of Death, Mr. Mason. It meant death for the artist, the model, and, oddly enough, for many of its owners. <laughs> I'm sorry you bought it, Mr. Mason. I'm sorry um, you bought it too, Mr. Mason. You shouldn't have taken it away from me. I beg your pardon. Don't you remember me? Oh, oh, yes. Yes, of course. You're the woman I was bidding against. I still want the painting, Mr. Mason. And I beg you to sell it to me at a price I can afford. I warn you, it can only bring you harm. I'm sorry, Miss Snyder. The painting is not for sale. Really, Mr. Flournoy, you didn't have to drive me all the way home with this painting. I could have managed it alone. Oh, no trouble at all, Mr. Mason. Yeah, let me help you carry it into the house. Oh, no, I'll get one of the servants. Oh, what you like? Oh, Parker. Uh, Parker. Huh. I'm afraid I'll have to go in. Uh, will you wait for me? Oh, certainly. Oh, Parker. Mr. Mason? Uh, yes, Parker. Uh, tell Mrs. Mason to come down, will you? I've got a surprise for her. Oh, Mr. Mason, I, I think you'd better come in. Why, what's the matter? I have some very bad news for you, sir. Terrible news. Mrs. Mason is dead. That's the first portion of Inner Sanctum. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now back to Inner Sanctum Mystery. It was her heart, sir. She died this afternoon while you were at the art gallery. Oh. I can't believe it. I tried to reach you, but you'd already left, sir. Dr. Simpson said... Excuse me, sir. Hello? Mr. Mason's residence? Is Mr. Mason there, please? This is Miss Snyder calling. Just a moment, please. It's for you, sir. Oh. Thank you. Hello? Mr. Mason, I still want that painting. What? Don't you think you'd better sell it to me? 
It can only bring you harm. I... I'll think it over. Don't wait too long, Mr. Mason. I warn you. Don't wait too long. You ought to go to bed, sir. You haven't had any sleep for days. I'm all right, Parker. But it can't do any good to sit in this room and stare at that painting. Parker. Doesn't the portrait look a little different today than it did when I brought it into the house? I don't think so, sir. Expression on the girl's face is a little deeper. A little more understanding. The background... Good heavens, Parker. What is it, sir? Look. The graves in the background. Weren't they there, sir? When I bought it, Parker, there were two. Now there are three. I'm so glad you could come out here, Mr. Flournoy. I had to speak to you. I came as soon as I could. Did you bring the catalogue? Oh, yes, I did, Mr. Mason. What is it? What's wrong? Uh, let me see a picture of that portrait, please. Yes, of course. Portrait. Uh, uh, here it is. A portrait of death. There. I was right. There were only two graves in the original painting. Well, of course, Mr. Mason. I told you there were two the day you bought it. But now there are three, Flournoy. Three graves. The what? Come. I'll show you. Oh, Mr. Mason, please. There are three, I tell you. The third one's been there ever since my wife well, died. But, but that's impossible. You must be imagining... Give yourself, Flournoy. Here. One, two, three. Mr. Mason. Why are you looking at me like that? You need a rest. A rest? What are you talking about? Don't you understand? There are only two graves in that portrait. The third one is in your mind. You mean there isn't a third grave on this painting? No. You've been under such a strain these past few days. I must be losing my mind. Oh, oh, no, I'm sure it isn't as serious as all that. It's only natural for you to be upset about your wife. I want to get rid of the portrait. I want to sell it right away. Well... I don't know how soon I can dispose of it for you, Mr. Mason. Under the circumstances, it might be hard to arrange a That woman will buy it, won't she? Who? That woman who's been pestering me for it. Why don't you get in touch with her? I will, first thing in the morning. No, no, I won't wait until morning. I want that portrait out of this house tonight. Parker. Where are you going with that painting? Why, I... I was taking it to the garage, what for? You said you didn't want it in the house tonight. I thought I might return it to the dealer. Mr. Flournoy hasn't called back yet? No, sir. Well, I'll take it to him myself. Is the car ready? Yes, sir, but I hardly think you ought to go alone, Mr. Mason. You're in no condition. I brought that portrait into this house, and I'll take it back alone. <laughs> Come on, come on. The devil is the matter with this car? I should have had a part to take it out of the garage for me. Confound it. I'll get that painting out of here if I have to carry it out with my hands. Portrait of death. You are a portrait of death. You, with those searing eyes, that faint half smile. I'll never see your face again. Not as long as... No. 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 No, don't. No, no. 
This is a strange time of night to go calling for a painting, Mr. Flournoy. Mr. Mason told me to get in touch with you right away, Miss Snyder. He was determined to have you pick up the portrait tonight. Well, I hope he isn't asleep. Yes. Nobody seems to be answering the door. Oh, wait a moment. There's a light in the garage. Oh, good heavens, what was that? It sounded like a scream from the back of the house. Come on, we better hurry. Come on, Miss Snyder. There's somebody in the garage. Wait. Hey, Parker. Uh, yes, What's sir. the matter, Parker? Why'd you scream? It, it's Mr. Mason, sir. He's dead. What? I just found him, sir, slumped over on the floor of the car. Awful. Maybe he was asphyxiated. No, the motor wasn't running, sir. It's the portrait. The portrait killed him. Just as it did the other. It does seem strange. He came to the garage about an hour ago, carrying the painting in his arms. Well, didn't you help him? He wouldn't let me, sir. He insisted on being alone. That's strange. Look at these marks on his neck. As if he'd been strangled with a fine chain. Or a woman's necklace. What do you mean by that? Nothing. Did you think I was accusing you, Miss Snyder? I don't know. Good heavens, Mr. Flournoy. Look at the portrait. Oh, what's wrong? The necklace, sir. The necklace that was painted on the girl's throat. It's gone. Well, you can breathe a little easier now. Unless you happen to be wearing that girl's necklace. If you are, just write a note to the artist that painted the portrait and he'll answer you from the grave. Honest. He wrote to me from the grave the other day. You know what he said? Having a wonderful time. Wish you were here. <laughs> hmm. I suppose you think that's funny. Why, Mary, it must be funny. The dead artist was smiling when he wrote it. Oh, but then he's always smiling. You see, he's a grinning skull. <laughs> Let's get back to that there cover girl on the portrait of death. It's six months now since she strangled old man Mason with that necklace of hers and put the Indian sign on his late wife. Parker's still around, though. And so is that character, Flanoy, who at the moment is disposing of the ill-fated portrait for Mr. Mason's estate. Mr. Davis, I believe you're the only man in the world who wants this painting. And I really can't see why you want it, knowing its history. Mr. Flanoy, that kind of history doesn't mean a thing to me. Oh. Uh, may I take it with me now? Oh, certainly. Uh, Parker. Uh, yes, sir? Would you be good enough to help Mr. Davis with the painting? Uh, if you don't mind, sir, I'd rather not touch it. I haven't seen it since Mr. Mason died, and I don't care to see it now, sir. All right, Parker. I'll help you, Mr. Davis. Thank you very much. It's a very heavy frame, you know. It's really too heavy. Why, that's incredible. What is it, Mr. Flournoy? What's wrong? Parker, do you say you haven't touched this painting since Mr. Mason died? No, sir. Well, look at it. The girl is wearing her necklace again. Miss Snyder, how do you do? We haven't seen you here at the gallery for some time. What's the meaning of this, Mr. Flournoy? Oh, beg your pardon? Why did you let that painting go without telling me it was for sale? Well, why, I tried to tell you, Miss Snyder. I called you home several times to let you know about the auction. I was never able to reach you. Didn't you know I was away on a trip? Uh, no, no, I then didn't. Then why didn't you find out, you stupid fool? What? How many times have I told you I must have that painting? Well, I'm sorry, Miss Never Snyder. mind, never mind. Who is this Mr. Davis? Where does he live and where can I find him? Why, well, I imagine you'll find him at his home. Here's his car. Give it to me. I don't think you'll gain anything by going up there, Miss You'll keep out of this, Flournoy. I want that painting. And this time I'm going to get it. I'm very sorry, Miss Snyder, but... 
Nothing you can say will persuade me to part with the painting. Mr. Davis, your stubbornness may cost you your life, you know. I'm afraid I'll have to risk it. I'm very anxious to find out exactly how he died. And if he was murdered, I'm going to see that the killer is brought to justice. The killer is the painting, Mr. Davis. And you will find that out very soon, just as the others did. Are you uh, threatening me? I am giving you one more chance to live. One more chance to sell me the portrait at the price you paid for it. Hmm. If I refuse? If you don't sell it to me now, Mr. Davis, I will buy it. After your death. Forgive me for not showing it to the door, Miss Snyder, but I hardly think... Never mind, I'll go myself. No, I don't have to. Parker. Yes, sir? Parker, what are you doing here? Oh, uh, didn't you know, Miss Snyder? I'm Mr. Davis's new butler. Hayden Art Company, Mr. Flournoy speaking. Mr. Flournoy? Yes, this is Mr. Flournoy. You had better come over to Mr. Davis's house right away. And don't tell anyone you're coming. Huh? Who's this? It's important, Mr. Flournoy. Don't ask a lot of questions. Just come over. But who is this? Don't you know? It's the girl in the portrait. What? You... Hello? 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 Come in, Mr. Flournoy. Hmm. I thought it was you on the phone. Why didn't you tell me? I didn't want to mention any names. Come in, will you? All right, all right. What's the hurry? What's this all about? I'll tell you in a minute. Does anyone know you came here? No, I don't think so. Good. What are you doing here? And where's Parker and Mr. Davis? Parker's left. He's gone away. I found a note from him on the foyer table there. Oh, what about Mr. Davis? He's in the library. Well, Wait a moment. Don't go in there yet. He's dead. Mr. Davis? Yes, Mr. Davis. Horrible, Flournoy. His head has been cut off. What do you mean? What happened? I don't know. I found him lying there on the library floor when I got here. He must have been killed with the axe from that suit of armor, you see. The armor's toppled over and the falling axe must have landed on his neck. He would have to fall from a good height to sever his head, Miss Snyder. Well, the armor was mounted on a pedestal. And you can see for yourself how heavy that axe is. Yes, I see. You don't think I killed him, do you? I don't know. What are you doing here? I received a strange phone call telling me to meet Mr. Davis. When I got here, the door was open and everything was just as you see it. Have you called the police? No, not yet. Why not? I wanted to speak to you first. You wanted to speak to me with a murdered man lying there on the floor? It wasn't murdered. It was an accident. The portrait killed him. I'll let the police decide that. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Flournoy. You are not going to phone the police until you've heard what I have to say. Go on, say it. I called you because I wanted you to help me. I want that portrait before it's passed on to Mr. Davis's heirs. What do you mean? I may never be able to buy it if it becomes part of his estate. But if you tear up his check and take mine, it doesn't have to become part of his estate. It will be mine. Once and for all. Mr. Flournoy? What? Mr. Flournoy? Why, Parker. What are you doing outside Miss Snyder's house? I've here? been waiting for her, sir. Have you any idea where she is? 
Why do you want to know? She left a photograph at Mr. Davis's house last night, and I've come to return it. Oh, I'll take it to her, Parker. If you don't mind, sir, I'll uh, return it myself. Is it that important? The photograph is a picture of the woman and the portrait. And if Miss Snyder can explain why she's been carrying it around, we might have an answer to this mystery. You suspect her, don't you, Parker? Not any more than I suspect you. What's that? You've got the portrait in your car, Mr. Flannery. Yes. Don't try to conceal it. I recognize that oh, frame anywhere. I'm not trying to conceal it. I'm trying to find out what your game is. I have no game. Then why did you leave that note saying you were going away? What note? Oh, don't lie to me, Parker. I saw it myself on the foyer table. You must be mistaken, sir. Today is my day off. I left the house early this morning and I didn't write a note. Oh. If you're telling the truth, then I know who did write that note. And I've got to prove it before I can take your word. Oh, wait a moment, Mr. Flanner. Where are you going? I'm going into the house for this painting. I'm going to set a trap for Miss Snyder. I'll go with you. What for? To help you carry the painting, Why? of course. But you, you'll spoil everything if you're seen, Parker. Then I won't be seen. I'll hide. I... What's the matter, Mr. Flanner? You are not afraid of me, are you? I don't know. Every time this painting has brought misfortune to anyone, you've been alone in the house with the victim. Is that you, Miss Snyder? Yes, where are you, Mr. Flournoy? I'm in your living room, hanging up the painting. I didn't ask you to do that. Take what? it down. Why? Take it down, I say. I don't want it in my living room. I don't want it in this house. Well, I don't understand. Then why did you buy it? Mr. Flournoy, I have been after that portrait for years. And now that I've got it, I'm going to destroy it. You're going to do what? There is a curse on that painting. There really is. You see, I know. Because I'm related to the girl who posed for it. Well, you never told me that. I never saw any reason to. That girl was a sister of my grandmother. And ever since her death, my family has been haunted by that portrait. But now we'll be haunted no longer. But, but you can't destroy a work of art like this. It isn't fair to people who admire it. It isn't Nobody fair. wants it, Mr. Flannoy. Nobody but me. Oh, but you're mistaken. There is somebody who wants it. Wants it very much. Parker? Oh, no. no Parker's dead. Dead? How do you know? I know. Because I killed him. What? Right here in the living room. I'm, oh, I'm awfully sorry I didn't have time to dispose of the body, but I'll take care of him before I go. Oh, no, no, Mr. Flurno. You, you didn't kill him. You, you couldn't. Well, I had to. You see, he discovered the painting and the cars I drove up. He would have ruined all our plans. Plans? Yes. Plans? See, do you think I'd go through with any plans, knowing what I know now? Well, I'm going through with mine, Miss Snyder. I dare say I won't be suspected. What are you talking about? Nobody knows you stole this painting from Mr. Davis. Nobody knows but you and Parker. And I can trust Parker to keep the secret. You stay where you are. Don't be afraid. I've become an expert at the art of murder. It is an art, you know. Just as delicate as retouching old portraits, which... Happens to be a specialty of mine. You. You killed Davis and Mason and Mrs. Mason. Oh, no, 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 not Mrs. Mason, no. 
Her death was only a coincidence. But it did give me the idea for the others. See, I needed a series of deaths to completely destroy the value of that portrait. The legend was already there. All I had to do was help it along. Why? I wanted the painting, Miss Snyder. I wanted it more than anything else in the world. An art dealer's clerk could hardly afford to pay for it. You're insane. You're... <laughs> well, we're all a little bit insane, aren't we? Don't you come near me. Don't. Shut up, you... Don't. Shut up. Yeah, the knife is cut. Sure. But if you struggle, don't struggle. You make me miss my mark. You're still, I can't. You crazy devil, be still. No. No. On the wall? Frame? Group of knife into... Now, we'll be haunted no longer. Poor old Flournoy, framed by a portrait. Still, it's better than being boiled in oils. But Davis is the guy who really had an interesting death. Yes, that armored axe did a smooth job. And the police might have thought it was purely accidental. That terrible picture. It was always changing around. I guess it wasn't what they call a still life. In fact, I'm surprised there's still life left in any of the people in the story. Well, well, drown me in a cup of Lipton tea if Mary didn't make a joke. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> Well, it's time to go back to my slab now and swap a few stories in the smoker of the crematorium. Oh, before I leave, this month's inner sanctum mystery novel is Lay That Pistol Down by Richard Powell. Now it's really time to close the squeaking door, so... Good night. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Inner Sanctum Mystery from June 12, 1945, with Portrait of Death, starring Leslie Woods, also in the cast, Santos Ortega, and Barry Kroger, with Paul McGrath doing the hosting sponsored by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup, as heard on CBS. Let's take a break. Then it's more of Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next week, it's This Is Your FBI, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator, The Adventures of Frank Merriwell, Burns and Allen, and The Weird Circle. From my team here at Hollywood 360, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. <laughs>